You're listening to the Barefoot Courage Podcast, where we're hoping to cultivate a mindfulness of the majesty of God in everyday life. Hey, you guys, this is episode three, Trusting God's Battle Plan. And frankly, I should probably just start by acknowledging that there was more time in between these episodes than I intended. This has just been a season full of new things for me. And not just me, but my family and my church and all good things, but new things. And so not only have I just not had as much time to sit and write as I usually do in the summer, but I've also spent a good amount of time lately just trying to find the new rhythm. And to be honest, y'all, I just haven't quite found it yet. So I was really encouraged a few weeks ago by a post from one of my favorite podcasters, Emily P. Freeman, who just has such a lovely way with words, said this. She said, new beginnings are often welcome, but being a beginner, not so much. If you're a beginner, you're in good company. And then her encouragement, which was just balm to my heart, included this. May I don't know be for you a sacred liturgy. Just because you don't know now doesn't mean you won't know ever. Let beginning teach you what you can only learn at the start. I just love that. And as I thought about our topic today, I thought that those words just, they might be an encouragement to you too. Because I think the truth is that every time we step onto the battleground of faith, Every new place we fight to keep Jesus enthroned on our hearts, we're actually being called to something new. We're being called to set aside the old things that we might have been clinging to for whether security or satisfaction or whatever, and reach for a new way of thinking, a new path that we didn't even see coming. We're called to start walking in a new pathway of trust, perhaps in a way that we hadn't yet realized that we needed so that we could treasure him in ways that we hadn't imagined yet that we could. When my firstborn was not quite four years old, we moved to Stafford, Virginia. And you need to know that Stafford is in northern Virginia near the Potomac River. So it's right in the middle of some of the coolest historic sites and stories of this nation. But it's also a suburb of Washington, D.C. And so it's one of those places, you know, that has just over the years, houses and shopping centers and just more and more parking lots keep popping up everywhere. And I had spent a chunk of my own childhood there, then had moved away for several years and was back as an adult with my own family. And I could remember, even as I watched all this new construction going up, I was remembering roaming through those woods as a kid imagining who might have walked there before me. Had there been traders who rendezvoused by the creek or, you know, Native American hunters with their bows or little girls in colonial skirts with corn husk dolls? I mean, those wild wooded parts were just fascinating to me. And even as an adult, they kind of were. And so I wanted my four-year-old to catch the wonder. I wanted to give him just a little taste of what treasures those woods might hold. So, I got this little leather pouch and I filled it with a few little artifacts, like things that I'd collected over the years from living there, like a stone arrowhead and a little musket ball, you know, things that a four-year-old boy would see as treasure. 
And one day when he wasn't with me, I went out into the woods and buried it. And then I drew a map on this ripped section of brown paper bag. And then I crumpled it up just to make it look as authentically old as I possibly could. And then later I was like, Jack, look what I have. It's a map that leads to treasure. Come with me. Let's go to it. I won't pretend to remember exactly how a conversation went, but the spirit of it was something like, Mommy, we're going into the woods back there? Because, see, going into the woods behind our house was kind of a treat and kind of scary because at four years old, he was not allowed in the woods by himself. We had him at parks and at wooded trails all the time, but the woods behind our new house were still unexplored. And I do remember that he wanted to put on boots, which I'm pretty proud of. Smart boy, because snakes. Put on his boots, and the two of us set out together. And as you can imagine, there were obstacles that he needed help to cross. Big, rotting logs that were blocking our route. Logs that were covered with yucky bugs and barnacle-looking, you know, mossy stuff. There was a stream that I could pretty much hop over, but little guy couldn't, so he would reach for my hand to lift him over it. And at one point, probably as he looked back and could no longer see the house, he was like, we're going far. Really, it wasn't far by adult standards, but this was unfamiliar territory, and he didn't know how it ended. But here's the thing. His fear never outweighed his hope in what was coming. Not only had mom told him that the journey would be worth it, but he knew I would never leave him and I would never let anything get him. So even if there were parts that were hard or scary, his mind was stayed on the treasure, not the obstacles. He wasn't relying on his own judgment of what we should do or how we should do it. He was relying on me. That day of treasure hunting is kind of a picture of how the Lord invites us to trust him. But the treasure that he promises is real. He promises that one day in his presence is better than a thousand anywhere else. And then he invites us to follow him. And learning to trust his map for our lives instead of our own, it's one of the obvious requirements of faith, right? I doubt believers would ever actually argue for trusting the human plan over God's plan. But in a practical sense, this is one of the things that we might just struggle with the most. I'll tell you that in in many of the times when I have had a crisis of faith, and by that I mean when I have questioned God or wrestled in an area of unbelief, it has been because I didn't understand why certain things were the way they were. Why was that painful chapter still open? Why was that devastatingly sad thing allowed to happen? Why did silence follow my prayers over a certain issue? And I don't think I'm alone in that. In fact, I think it's at the heart of all sin against God. We tend to think, whether we acknowledge it or not, that we have good enough judgment to decide whether he's acting correctly or not. We think we know what is best for our security. We think we, we know what's best for our own happiness. And we think we know what would be good for us and for the rest of the world. So we trust our own definitions. We trust our own kindness. We elevate our own love more than the God who is love, who is full of kindness, and who has the authority to define everything. 
The fact is that trying to sit on the throne of our own hearts and protect our own kingdoms is vain. We are not in control. Just as little Jack didn't know what was coming next on that route through the woods, we don't know what to expect on the path of life. We do not know what tomorrow holds. Cancer-free for a certain number of years doesn't mean cancer-free tomorrow. Any more than being employed for a certain number of years means being employed tomorrow or driving accident-free means you'll be accident-free tomorrow. Whatever illusions of control we may have had at one time or another, they've pretty much been exposed as false over the last year and a half, haven't they? COVID lockdowns and social tensions and supply chain breaks, I mean... How many of you received a little miniature mask or a toilet paper ornament for your Christmas tree last year and actually found it fitting? I did. I got them both. How many of you saw that coming when you were packing up your Christmas ornaments from the year before? I didn't. We don't know what's coming. So part of faith is understanding that if, if you're agreeing to the treasure hunt because you think that the treasure is God clearing your path and paving your road through this life, then you've misunderstood what it means to trust him. In fact, Paul tells us that all of the hardship in this life is being used by the Lord to fit us for the eternal weight of glory. If he leads us down a a hard, painful road, it's because it gets us closer to treasure that we have not yet imagined or experienced. Vanitha Rindal Reisner, who often writes about suffering, she has, if you know Vanitha's story at all, she has had suffering as a familiar companion, just starting in her early childhood all the way into her adulthood. Um, But she walks in faith and she trusts God's sovereignty. And here's one of the reasons that she says she can do it. She says, God may be doing something far more important and more lasting in me than what is happening to me. And because God governs everything that comes across my path, no experience is wasted. So go back to little Jack and me walking through the woods. He trusted me because I had never let him down before. But think carefully about that statement. What does it mean that I had never let him down before? It certainly didn't mean that I had always given him the thing that he thought would make him happy. It didn't mean that I never made him do anything that he didn't want to do. In fact, there were times when I interrupted his playtime for a bath or bedtime, and those moments for that four-year-old felt horribly, devastatingly disappointing to him. Never letting him down meant that there had never been a time when I hadn't loved him and planned his days for his good. He only knew that because he had spent most of his time in his young life close to me. He knew me as trustworthy. He knew me. You guys, how much more can we trust our perfect Heavenly Father who He has promised not to withhold one good thing from his children. How much more should we trust that he will plan our days for good? That no matter how out of control things might feel in the moment, he is sovereign over all of it. 
Trusting God's battle plan for our faith means that we release our old expectations of how it's supposed to go, and we walk with Him down a new path that requires new levels of trust. In that space, each one of us is invited to let our I don't know be a sacred liturgy because it's attached to the beautiful declaration that you do know the one who is sovereign over all of it, and he is trustworthy. Now, here's the thing. That's absolutely impossible to do if you don't know him. I mean, how can you trust someone you don't know? So today, I want to encourage you to think about how you are getting to know the Lord. What are you focusing your attention on? We go to great lengths to get to know people that we're interested in, right? I mean, if you're married, think back to when you first started dating your spouse. When Ken and I first started dating, we spent a ton of time together. I'm pretty much every free minute. Just talking about basic things at first, like what's your favorite pizza place? Or, you know, do you prefer basketball or football as a spectator sport? We were, it was the 90s. So do you like pop or classic rock? For hours we talked And even when we seemed to be talking about things out in the world, we were still really focused on one another. We might have been talking about politics and the election, but we were finding out what the other person stood for. We might have been talking about the TA for our intro to poetry class, but we were learning how the other person interacted with the art of ideas and words. You know what I'm saying? We wanted to know each other, and so we invested the time to do it. The same holds true with the Lord. We invest time with those we want to know. And if we're going to trust the Lord, we need to know the Lord. So how do we do that? I'm going to throw out three things um, just, just for you to think about. Three time investments that have helped me draw closer to the Lord and to know him better. And, you know, you will adapt these things or throw them out if they're not useful to you, but just sharing my heart with you. So in general, spending time in prayer, spending time in the Bible and spending time acknowledging God in the world around me is how is how the Lord most often reveals his character to me. But if I just try and be more specific in the way I use that time in prayer and in the word and in nature, um, then I come up with these three things that I think have been, for me, the most fruitful or some of the most fruitful exercises. So first, in prayer, I find it really helpful to write out my prayers. I do not write them to be eloquent. I do not write them for anyone else to see. I don't even write them with a mind to go back and look at them myself. In fact, sometimes I jot them down and then shred them. But writing daily prayers, writing in complete sentences, it guards my mind. Writing down the words helps me worship more than I worry. And and it helps me keep my mind focused and reverent. There's just something about writing out the words that keeps me very aware that I am on holy ground before a glorious God. And sometimes writing out the words, good morning, Lord, is the beginning of a new mind for me that day. So I found it really fruitful to write out my prayers. Number two, thinking about time in God's word, reading the Bible. It is really powerful to read the Bible from beginning to end. I understand that it's a long book. I understand that it's hard, but you need to read it like you would any other book. 
If you know me, you know that I love Bible study. I've been doing it for a long time, and I love when we take one book at a time and just comb through it one verse at a time. But I think that committing the time to read the entire thing is just as important. The Bible is not a dictionary. It's not an encyclopedia that should be used just as a reference book. There's a continuity to its narrative, and there are meaningful literary and theological threads that are woven woven, um, from the beginning all the way to the end. It is so compelling and, and revealing about who God is. And incidentally, that continuity is just really remarkable since It was written over the span of more than 2,000 years in three languages by somewhere around 40 different human authors. I mean, I just marvel at the supernatural inspiration that directed those pens. Reading the whole thing will be fruitful. And number three, looking for the Lord in his creation, looking for the revelation of the Lord in his creation. For me, the most fruitful times have been when I'm walking in nature with no earbuds, not full of praise music, not listening to podcasts, not having people to talk to. And y'all, I am not saying that those things are bad. I love listening to good stuff on a long walk. And I love going with friends on walks. But when I think of really fruitful time, when the Lord can direct my mind and can reveal himself to me in nature, that time has usually come in the quiet when I've been in a grove of trees or I've been, you know, along the jogging path in town that's lined with crepe myrtles and singing birds or staring at a mountain or listening in the dark to the power of the waves on the beach. Psalm 19 says that the heavens declare the glory of God and that the sky above proclaims his handiwork. So if nature tells of his glory, I want to make sure that I'm taking time to listen and I'm not always filling my ears with human voices. Remember, a huge part of cultivating a mindfulness of the majesty of God lies simply in investing the time with him, time in prayer and in his word and in acknowledging his handprints in creation. I am a firm believer that the way God speaks to us most often and most clearly is through the Bible. Do you long for a word from the Lord that will help you trust him in the hard places? Then prayerfully open your Bible and read it. Don't read a little here and a little there. Go through it systematically and thoughtfully. There is nothing, really y'all, nothing that will make you more able to say, my confidence is not in knowing the way forward but in trusting the one who draws the map of my life. Let's trust his battle plan. I hope that this week your eyes will be fixed on his majesty so that you can walk every step of the journey in barefoot courage.